Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 46 of the Watch Rolling Podcast. The Watch Rolling Podcast is a veteran-owned podcast that helps newer watch enthusiasts learn from my mistakes while bringing valuable veteran resources to the attention of the watch enthusiast community. My name is Jason, and I'm your host. If you're new to the pod, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Episode 46 is brought to you by Mushy Watch Straps. Mushy Watch Straps is a veteran-owned business and provides well-built and fairly-priced NATO straps, two-piece straps, leather and canvas straps, as well as watch tools, accessories, and storage. Feel free to use the code VET10 at checkout for 10% off your entire order. I will include the link to Mushi Watch Traps in the show notes, and they can be found at www.mushiwatchstraps.com. This week, I provide some thoughts on new watch release predictions and if they really matter to new enthusiasts. And I also discuss a pretty cool program from Kia Motors called the VTAP program. And I'll explain that after the watch enthusiast stuff. So let's get into the watch enthusiast segment. So new watch release predictions. If you've noticed, if you've been paying attention, if you're a watch enthusiast, I'm sure you are. There have been a ton of predictions of what's going on. Now, I could cover all the watch predictions that have been out there, and there's tons, um, but I chose to focus on three content creators or watch enthusiasts that um, I watch, and I, I think kind of give differing takes on stuff, so it's more of a well-rounded approach. But it's that time of the year. Uh, I love this time of the year. Can you smell it? I can smell it. It smells like, um, it smells like wet metal canvas and dollar bills, but... It's the new watch release prediction season. And as a new watch enthusiast, the one thing I noticed early on in my overall journey was that there were a bunch of people doing um, watch release predictions. And it, it was interesting because I didn't know an awful lot about watch brands and release cycles. And I, I feel like it's kind of changed a lot even in the last three years, but it was something I kind of didn't really know if it was if it was useful to me at first but with some experience i like to say that i think that this season this time of year is useful and i'll explain why so number one there is a lot of more experienced watch enthusiasts out there that actually have a platform and they come out in full force and you know the one thing that they're doing i think if you look past everything else is they're providing us newer watch enthusiasts with free knowledge yeah free i mean they're they're putting it out there i mean are some of them making money off their views yes uh, but for the most part, they're they're not charging us to actually get the knowledge from them. And a lot of them are really experienced. And, you know, are some of these predictions subjective? Yeah, I mean, most predictions are. I think that's the point. But I think that also sells these individuals short in the story of watch predictions because they bring a lot of experience to the watch enthusiast space. So there's going to be three people or three groups I focus on and some might consider them low-hanging fruit, but I mean, I watch them. I'm sure everybody else does too. But if you're a newer watch enthusiast and you haven't ran across them, I think they're pretty good to watch. And I think it's important because everyone in this group to me comes across as a watch enthusiast first and a content creator second. And I think that's important. So the first one's TGV of the Urban Gentry. I think that's a no-brainer. Um, Adrian Barker of, you know, Adrian Barker used to be Barker and Jack Channel. And then Sam and the crew from Casual Watch Talk and the live streams they do. And it's because I think that if you did the math, like something we do in the military, right? Uh, they'll be like, there's over 800 years of experience in this room. Like whenever you have a get together, they'll be like, uh, who, how many people have been here? And we did the math and there's 10,000 years of experience, right? So I think in this group, there's just decades of experience. And 
if you think about it, that's just a small sample of the content that's available to everybody, right? But they're there. So I think number one, you're you're getting access to to more experienced individuals who are freely sharing their knowledge. And I think that's the most important thing to remember about this because a lot of times people get lost in the sauce and they're like, oh, I don't like this person, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you can still learn something from someone you don't like. I mean, this is common sense, right? Another benefit of the release prediction season is each enthusiast's distinct perspective on focus. And I think that's really important from this because a lot of them will know the same information, right? If you've seen a watch review, you've seen a watch review. They're going to talk about the specs and all that stuff. But each one of these watch enthusiasts that are content creators brings a slightly different perspective, right? So you can get stuff from the super technical aspects of the timepieces to the much more esoteric. I mean, I think there's something for everyone. And usually one of these people, if not more of the content creators that I didn't list, will bring up something that I hadn't considered or I need to consider. And it can be about a specific timepiece or timepieces in general. And I think that's an important thing to remember. So you have some, for example, like TGV, I think it's a much more well-rounded artistic appreciation of timepieces and horology. Does he understand some of the mechanical stuff? Yeah. Is he as mechanically, does he deep dive as, as much in the mechanical aspects of it as some people know, but I think you get a well-rounded artistic approach from TGV and appreciation of the design elements and, the, and, and some of the history, like he, he's very much into the history where like sometimes a Mark Frankel's on Mark's like, I don't care about the history. I just like the fact that this watch is well-engineered or whatever. Right. So that's the, the, the approach you get from TGV. I think you get a much more pragmatic approach from Adrian Barker. Like Adrian is, this is the watch. This is what it does. Um, this is what you can do in it kind of thing. Um, there's a little bit of history there and he talks about it, but it's more about like the literal watch. And then I think probably in my opinion, the best live stream I've seen out there is the casual watch talk live stream. And it's just a, there is such a wide range of knowledge in that panel. I mean, you can, if you've watched it, I used to be on that thing a lot. Um, you know, I'd love to come back, but you know, life is busy. But like you get Sam, Sam just well-rounded watch knowledge. Um, has been doing it, understands the, I would say the sales side of it and the, what I call the hemming and hawing side of it where they're, you know, watch deals and trading stuff and getting stuff in. You know, Seiko Todd, if you if you haven't checked him out, go check him out, Seiko Todd on Instagram. Uh, Todd is all things Seiko, chronographs and so much more. I mean, Todd's a really smart guy. And then you have um, the Iron Chic Todd, but Todd shaved his mustache for November. It's going to come back, he said. And, and Todd has... You know, a, a really well-rounded view on watches. I, I, every time I talked to him, I didn't notice like, an exact specific thing, but just a very well-rounded version of not uh, watches. And then you got, you know, pocket watch time, Patrick, pocket watches, um, special medals, stuff like that. And then you got Pete from Not So Obvious Watches. Pete brings a real, what I call, psychological approach to the watch collecting thing. And then there's, if, if I forgot anybody, if I left anybody out, um, you know, there's Mark on Liberty, um, Ricky from Scottish Watches comes on, Dave from Scottish Watches comes on sometimes. Um, Nicholas from Fears, and it's just a wide, at any time when you catch this panel, if you catch a live stream on Tuesdays or Sundays, I don't know how you don't learn something because there's so many just well-rounded, knowledgeable people on that channel. And they've gone on and talked about predictions. And sometimes the predictions just teach me about elements of timepieces that I may not consider, right? So they'll talk about something, all these guys will talk about something like, well, this colorway comes in blue, black, and red. They used to have a green one from, you know, 2005. Maybe they're going to release that or something like that. So it's just something to think about. And they all bring their each unique approach to it and come from a different angle. And then speaking about the elements, well, let's talk about the rest of the watch market and what transpires sh should these predictions come true. 
well, should any of these designs come to fruition? I mean, you can bet that the more affordable brands, the mod community and homage brands will get to work quickly. And I'm not even lying. I mean, if you've been in the watch and space for more than eight minutes, you'll, you'll see that they'll, when you learn what the submariner is, when you learn what the Speedmaster is, when you learn like in the book, the magical watches, all the, you know, the Patek Philippe and the, the Royal Oak, all these really famous classic, the Cartier tank. I mean, you name it that other watch brands will take inspiration. That's my favorite term. We were inspired, right? But a lot of them just flat out homage the watches. Uh, a lot of the mod community builds them. I've seen some cool Seiko mods that look like Patek Philippe Nautiluses that look like APs. Um, you know, Seiko has some Cartier tank shaped watches. So you can best believe that the mod community homage brands and affordable brands will get to work quickly on that. And one of the easiest examples is the Patek Philippe Nautilus 5711 one alpha tag zero one eight. All right. That was the Tiffany blue model that came out. And then immediately after that, there was a run on similarly colored models across a whole variety of brands soon after. I mean, even Zen got in on the color. Uh, there were some um, brands that released them and tried to say it was Tiffany blue. Uh, I'll, I'll include the link to the showdown on this one. Um, Alan Farmello's article in beyond the dial website um, talks about how someone coined this one timepiece Tiffany blue, but it's not even Tiffany blue. It's more like a powder blue. So it's just interesting to see brands that come out or people that try to associate brands that didn't even use the color with the color of the watch. And I think that's happened. You've seen it with the Tudor Black Bay. You've seen it with Rolex Submariner, obviously, and the list goes on and on. And I'll include a link to the Time and Tide article that talks about the Tiffany blue Patek Philippe Nautilus in there. So you understand what's going on. I mean, and it's really a cliche, cliche phenomenon, if you know what I'm talking about, where you know, they talk about the trickle down effect and all that stuff, but in some ways it's true. But what I'd say is use this to your advantage, because if you're a newer watch enthusiast, you don't want to spend a lot of money. You can go out and experience design elements in an affordable price point range across a variety of brands. Eventually, if you're just patient and you can try out something, see if you like it. Um, I got an affordable white dial because for those of you that know, my, my, my grail piece is Rolex Explorer 2, uh, white dial. And I haven't narrowed down the exact model yet. Um, the exact reference number yet, but I, I went and got a crepus and I got it at a fraction of the price and I'm enjoying seeing what it's like to have a steel watch with a white dial with some um, patina on it and stuff. And, and if I enjoy it, then, you know, maybe it really will help seal the deal for me for the Explorer two down the road. And I got to experience something at a much lesser price. So I don't know. It's your call. Uh, do what you want, but to wrap it up, like what, well, all this information out there isn't necessarily open source information, right? Because they're watch release predictions. They're not, it's not factual. Nothing's actually happened yet. Um, you'd be surprised the conversations that can start. And I think it's kind of fun if you can get into like a, a watch group where you have, you know, running threads or a discussion board or something. But I would, I would look forward if I was a new watch enthusiast, which I still kind of am. And for the newer ones, I would use these annual times to kind of, Pay attention to your favorite watch enthusiasts to learn and anticipate as much as you can. You know, be wary of leaks. Like we always talked, we already talked them. I mean, you saw the the moon swatch that came out, the gold moon swatch and the moon gold or whatever it is. And I thought the idea that got leaked first, the gold foil from like the NASA stuff dial would have been cool. I thought the picture kind of stunk, but I thought the idea, I'm like, oh man, if they did that dial, right, that'd be kind of cool. And then I started thinking like, cause I know a little bit now, like, you know, what's the clearance on the hands? How thick's the case going to be? Then I'm like, why am I even thinking about this? It's it's a leak. It's, it may not even be true. Sure enough, it wasn't even true. So I was like, oh yeah, you shouldn't have thought about that, you dummy. But anyways, 
be wary of leaks. They can lead to nothing. And during my time in the journey, you know, I've just begun to understand better my taste and design and technical aspect of timepieces that I may not have otherwise considered, you know, and, and I see stuff that I don't necessarily want, but I see stuff that I respect a whole lot more because I, I, I've been exposed to it by content creators that are watch enthusiasts because of this time of year where, oh, I'm like, that would be cool if it came in purple, but I didn't know it came in green before, you know what I mean? And I owe the delight of this season to all the creators that take the time to put out these awesome videos and provide some thought provoking and knowledge takes. So I'm going to follow this podcast up with an, with an essay that I put or an article on the blog that I'll have um, links to TGV's Adrian's and Sam and the casual watch talk screws live stream. So you can go check them out for yourself. Cause really good videos. Um, you can get a couple of them in short, the other ones an hour long Sam's, but I think it's good. And I think you should um, check it out and use this time of the year to your advantage. So enjoy. All right. So in the veteran related news, uh, I want to discuss real quick an article that I found in Cision. It's a PR Newswire. It's basically, uh, it takes news stories and combines them and shows you stuff. But I found an article about Kia America, and they launched a military veterans technician apprenticeship program, or VTAP for short. So, you know, if you're in the military, you love acronyms. How about VTAP? That's a great one. But the goal of the program is to provide military veterans with the opportunity to become a qualified Kia technician along with veteran specific assistance throughout the training process. So the apprenticeship program is designed specifically for veterans and includes Kia technical training to follow up by program managers to support long-term success. So I always like that when I hear that, right? Like they're not just qualifying you and throwing you to the wolves. And I've known that to happen. I have a buddy of mine. I won't, I won't bad mouth the company, but there was an apprenticeship program where they taught people to be a truck driver and the company took care of the stuff. But once he got out there, he was all on his own. And he was left to the devices of whoever's training him on the job. And that's not always good. Um, this is a one-year competency-based program that provides Kia service technician training and certification for eligible veterans. And then the program will connect Kia retailers with highly trained and technically accomplished veterans. So I know back in the day, like people would poo-poo Kia and Hyundai. And uh, they've made big strides over the year. And I know specifically I have some uh, coworkers that have a Kia Telluride and pound for pound, bang for the buck. I mean, you can't beat the specs in the car, like we love specs. You can't beat the specs in the car and you also can't beat the warranty on the car. Kia gives a great warranty. I know Hyundai gives a great warranty too. And the whole goal again of this program is to help Kia retailer business partners connect with high quality former military technician talent to meet the demand for skilled Kia service technicians while providing an elevated customer service experience. Don't we all like that? And it's open to transitioning service members, military veterans, National Guard, and reserve service members. And you're connected through Kia VTAP and it's going to help you provide some inspiring, inspiring career opportunities. And it's backed up by the U.S. Department of Labor and the GI Bill Approved Apprenticeship, which I'm going to talk about real quick. So how are you, and I'll put this link in the show notes as well. So you can learn how GI Bill training programs can help you pay for books, supplies, and housing while you're learning a trade or skill through on-the-job training or apprenticeships. Now, real quick, to all my fellow military people, uh, veterans, active duty, or to any young people listening, you know, I get it. College is not college is not for everybody. A lot of people want to work with their hands. So I would advise you to always take advantage of these on the job training and apprenticeship programs if you can. If you're a veteran and you can get, you know, GI Bill benefits to pay for this stuff while you're going through apprenticeship, do it because you know, it comes down to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm not going to cover that. If you've been in the military for more than 5 minutes, you know that. I can cover a whole If you want to know about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, let me know and I'll do a whole podcast segment on that. Um it relates, but you know, Knowing that you have some money coming in while you're going to an apprenticeship to where you can pay the bills and 
you know, take care of your family if you have one, or if you don't just feed yourself and, you know, it, it's reassuring and it makes it a little bit easier to learn. So you have to ask yourself, are you eligible for education benefits? You know, if you are, you can qualify, you know, on the job training, like plumbing, hotel management, firefighting, or this Kia thing, who's covered veterans, spouses, getting benefits, the Fry scholarship we talked about last week, the DEA, which we talked about last week, and then any children. And then you can get benefits for supplies and books that we talked about, money for housing if you use the post 9-11 GI Bill benefits. And I'll put the link in there to get those benefits. So real quick, the last part about that I want to talk about is, I'll include this link in the show notes. It's basically the fact sheet for on-the-job apprenticeship and training programs. And so what are they? So both on-the-job or OJT, if you've never heard OJT, that's what it is. And apprenticeship training programs are available for veterans using their VA education benefits, including the post-9-11 GI Bill. These programs allow veterans to learn a trader skill through training on the job rather than attending formal classroom instruction. Now, just so you know, there are programs where if you like a mix, like for me, I like a mix. I like some classroom. I like some lab. Um, look out for those two because you can get those where you do some study and knowledge-based stuff and you go actually practically apply it in a lab with some supervision. So on these OJTs, you'll have supervision too. But just let you know, like you don't, it doesn't have to be just classroom or just on the job. You can have a mix of that too. We can cover that one day. But a veteran would generally enter into the training contract for a specific period with an employer union. And at the end of the training period, the veteran gains a job certification or journeyman status, right? And so the employers generally pay a reduced OJT apprenticeship wage, wage must be at least 50% of the journeyman wage, unless the training establishment is operated by a federal, state, or local government. Then the periodic wage increases must be granted, and by the last full month of training, the wage must be at least 85% of the wage for a fully trained employee. So it's good to go look up how much of those wages are ahead of time. So vets in an approved program can use a GI Bill benefit and receive a tax-free stipend, the post-9-11 bill stipend is the equivalent of the monthly housing allowance of an E-5 with dependents, which is paid in addition to the entry-level wage. So the stipend would be the first six months of training, 100% of your applicable MHA. The second six months of training would be 80% of your applicable MHA. And then the stipend is reduced 20% every six months thereafter as the veteran's wages regularly increase, right? So they're doing like a little, you know, if it's an EQ's low on the left side, but the EQ's right, it's going gonna, it's gonna to even out over time. And then approved employers can use this benefit as a recruiting tool by using wages plus stipend to attract veteran candidates. And then there's some state approving agencies. They're responsible for approving the OJT apprenticeship programs in the respective states. So check out what that is in your respective states. Uh, requirements generally entail submitting a training request form that specifically outlines proposed wages, program, and standard workweek information, as well as the company contact name and phone number. Once all required documents are submitted, approval is generally completed in one to two months. So the way I read that is if you had a program that you're, you had a company that could employ via some OJT. Now I know we were talking about Kia specifically, but you know, I'm just saying if you had a company, you could do that. And then there's some veterans readiness and employment, OJT apprenticeships. Uh, the list is in the fact sheet. And these are just a program that employ provides employers with other benefits through the special employer incentive program. We talked about that in a previous episode, employers hiring veterans with service connected disability who are approved for VRNE services may be entitled reimbursements up to 50% of the veteran's salary over six months to offset training costs. And, uh, and the link for that will be included in the show notes. So that is the Kia VTAP program. And then we also talked about the on the job and training ship program. All those links will be in the show notes. And I uh, hope you could use it. Please pass, pass the word around to any veterans that might, that might help. So in closing thoughts, I appreciate you tuning into episode 46. Uh, the positive affirmation for the week is, you know, I, we talk a lot about jobs on here, but I fully believe it. I, I think it's the, you know, 
if you're the kind of person that did a 20 year career in the military or 10 years and you were so financially stable when you got out, you didn't have to work hats off to you. I'm, I'm proud of you. Uh, I, that wasn't the way for me. Um, it's not the way for a lot of people. So what I just recommend for this week's positive affirmation is find the career that will make you happy. If you can't do it now, find something in your current role that makes you happy and then do what you got to do to accomplish the role you want to have. I know I say that a lot, but I'm telling you, it, it's, it, it's the best way to go. Do what you need to do to make you happy. And if you can't get there yet, find something that makes you happy in what you're doing now and helps you get to your goal. And remember, at watchrolling.com, you make the watch. The watch doesn't make you.